0: sing at that time because the A chord, the A note, I just couldn't hit for some reason. Maybe it's because I got to tune my ukulele a bit more or maybe I got to tune myself. Um, I'm going to go over and review You Only Live Twice and this one is after Thunderball and I had seen this once before and i uh you know i liked it I, I do remember some parts but i never saw it all the way through and i i thought i did maybe i did and i just don't remember some parts uh, but now after you know revisiting it during the Bond marathon i saw the whole thing in, in its entirety uh, and I like it. It's different because of the theme of the. Uh, I believe he he goes to Japan, and I think it's Japan. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, there's some. There are some ninjas, and he does do some ninja training, which is fun, and. uh it gets a little little zany there. There's some fun gadgets. There's a helicopter, not a helicopter, but a small one. A copter, I guess, for lack of a better or proper term uh, that he uses. Again, it's cool when it goes to the medium or to the wide shot, but when or long shot when it goes to the close-ups, it's a little yeah. You can tell it, it looks. It's really fake. Because of the projection in the background uh, projected background but anyway i uh I like this one because it's got more specter it's got uh, blowfeld it it shows him this time it's a good awesome reveal uh, with Donald Donald Pleasance I thought Donald Pleasance needed more screen time though he just it, he feels a little tacked on he's alluded to um. Earlier, but yeah, I, I didn't think he had enough times and enough scenes with Bond. There's a there's an, there's a hilarious scene in it where and IMDb won't tell you about this or I haven't seen any reviews on it where the white kitty cat the white cat that he's got in his arms tries to escape like he'll <laughs> it's cartoonish like there's a scene where Bond's talking to uh, Blofeld in his uh, secret layer, there, in the room in the secret layer, well, the switchboard is, and the cat's just like, it's just, you know, grabbing for anything, trying to escape his arms. It's just trying, to, its mouth is wide open, its eyes are like, it's like, it's waving its arms, like, get me out of here. It's trying to, it's trying to pull itself from its arms. So, maybe they'll talk about it in the commentary, when I watch these with the commentary, but, I thought it was hilarious. Uh uh, the Bond girls in this. Bond girls in this are, are okay. There's the redhead in this. She's alright. I mean they all kinda of do the job uh in it. Um I think only what and I don't mean like do their job in parentheses, but uh you know, professionally, you know, as as a Bond girl in this. Um I liked it and but I, I, you know, they weren't that not. They weren't as memorable, memorable as the last one, and uh, Thunderball. Um, this one, and uh, this one, one of the Bond girls gets killed by this uh, by a ninja, and she gets poisoned through a pretty clever poisoning thing, which I'd never seen before. Where they let the string fall, and then they run the poison down the string and into the, you know, Sleeping Beauty there. She's sleeping next to Connery there, and uh, and that was um, that was an, an, something I'd never seen before when I saw that scene. Uh, what else happens? Hold on a second. It's written partly by uh, Roald, Roald Dahl, who wrote. The original, like the Roald Dahl who wrote uh, Willy Wonka* and the Chocolate Factory, that's pretty tremendous. That's pretty awesome. So it definitely gets a star right there uh, from me. Connery is as Bond in this. He gets. He has to dress up. I'm. I'm going way out. All out of seek. I'm all over the map with this uh, review, but. There's a scene where he has to disguise himself as to keep a low profile, I guess. He's got to marry uh, a Japanese woman and he's got to um, he's got to dress up in a, in a disguise to make him look like uh, a Japanese man. And yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> he tried to do it. He get he can't really pull it off. Uh, he's but he's really you know not. To be, I'm not trying to be racist or anything, or, or definitely not trying to be. But uh, he usually, I mean, he looks unusually tall and awkward, <laughs> trying to fit in. Uh, but uh, yeah, the supporting cast is great. Love it and uh, Love the ninjas. I'll go to the IMDB until something in my head pops up Let's see during the height of the Cold War the United States and the Soviet Union lose one spacecraft after They are both seemingly swallowed whole by a second unidentified spacecraft The two superpowers are quick to blame one another for the disappearances causing tensions to skyrocket. The United Kingdom has an alternate theory regarding the disappearances. However, a theory involving Japan and sends their number one spy, James Bond, to investigate there with the help of the Japanese Secret Service. He uncovers a plot uh, far more sinister than anyone could have imagined. So yeah, there's like a... Japanese version of M over there that he meets, but they're kind of like buddies in it, which is neat. Um, so there's some mutual respect going on. And I guess it turns out that that, the actor that plays him is, it was actually a, kind of like an action star, uh, over there. Um, taglines. Welcome to Japan, Mr. Bond. (laughs) Um... This man is James Bond, and that's a on the final advance poster, U.S. subway poster. That's see. Uh, Sean Connery is James Bond. Oh, this was a good one when Donna Pleasance actually said it in the movie. He says he said the title. He said you, because in the movie the you find out like the beginning of the movie Bond gets killed. That's like the setup as he gets killed and dumped his body gets dumped over sea, and. Uh, they pick up his body secretly in a body bag, which looks <laughs> like a mummy and it looks unbelievably stiff. And, uh, they get him aboard a, a secret, uh, submarine and they bring him in and they unzip it. And he was, he had some kind of, a, uh, I don't know, a device, a breathing device or something to fake his own death. And while well, he was underwater and, they, you know, and, uh, They just unzip it, and he's okay. He gets up. So, And he makes the... It's kind of like to let everyone know, you know, give him a public death so people don't think he's alive for this mission. And towards near the end where Blofeld Blofeld meets uh, Bond, or is talking to him, he says, ah, yes, you died before, but you only lived twice, Mr. Bond. And I thought that was great. Um, trivia the henchman the henchman bomb fights sorry I'm getting pop ups now like crazy that was pretty annoying sorry guys and that's the problem with doing things like this on the internet is the dang pop-ups so let me let me look it up again imdb they want me to sign in and create a Create an account just for rating this on the spot. is kind of annoying. Thanks, guys. Okay. The henchman bond, bond fight in Osado's office was played by Samoan pro wrestler, the High Chief, Peter uh, Fanin, Fanin uh, Melvia, grandfather of The Rock. So, Dwayne Johnson. The Rock has recently talked about wanting to be in a in the bond, or be Bond, be the next Bond, because of his grandfather connection to being in this one, which is pretty neat. It's a good fight scene that Bond has with this wrestler; furniture is thrown around. It's good. It's it, again, there. I don't think there's any music going on when they're fighting, which is awesome. It reminded me a lot of um, the scene in Goldfinger where he's fighting Odd Job. Um, not quite that memorable but it was still really good um, when scouting locations in Japan the chief production team narrowly escaped death on uh, March 5th 1966 producers Robert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman director Louis Gilbert yada 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 uh, were booked to leave Japan uh, flight nine eleven. 11 it was weird departing Tokyo for Hong Kong and London 2 hours before their 2 hours before their Boeing 707 flight departed. The team was invited to an unexpected ninja demonstration and so missed their plane. Wow. Their flight took off as scheduled and 25 minutes after takeoff, the plane dis- disintegrated. Over Mount Fuji, killing all aboard. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's unbelievable. Because of the unexpected ninja demonstration. So sometimes listen to your instinct. I would say, mo- almost all the time, let's do it. Cause they listen to the instinct, their instinct, and it save their lives. And it says B O A C flight. Nine Eleven too. What is it with the 9-11? There's a case for uh, patterns, matrixes, and synchronicities. It's weird. The relationship between Sir Sean Connery and the producers deteriorated to the point where he refused to act if they were on set. <laughs> yeah, at this I guess I, I've been seeing some more interviews where Connery, like everyone, in, like a lot of people in Japan, you know, were confusing him with Bond, like for real, for real. And, you know, Connery was wearing a toupee, you know, he wasn't wearing the toupee around town. And they asked him, I guess, is this how Bond is supposed to look? And he said, well, he said, no, I'm, I'm Sean, this is how Sean Connery is supposed to look. And, <laughs> So I guess this is like the height of uh, Bond Mania, I guess Casino Royale came out, you know, the cheesy fun version uh, with David Niven and Peter Sellers and Orson Welles and all that good stuff. And uh, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Uh, there's some, <laughs> that's a, that's a good, bad movie. It's like, <coughs> <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting some dust in my throat or something probably from playing my uke. <coughs> um. Yeah, um, that movie Casino Royale, Royale, the first one, is that's uh definitely a seven or six. I'd probably say it's a six movie, because it's a it's a bad movie. Because <laughs> there's just too many, uh, too many people trying to do, too many different directors shooting. It felt like an anthology. But it's definitely rewatchable in a zany, cheesy way, and it's definitely its own thing. I guess if if I had to say if this was like a like a it felt kind of like B movie ish, but with major stars in it. But I'm getting I, I digress. Let me get back on to. You only live twice. Um, let's see here. This is the only. Bond movie to date where Bond does not get behind the wheel of an automobile. That's true. Let's see. This is the first movie to show Bond in his Royal Navy uniform and to clearly indicate that he holds the rank of commander. Which is kind of funny. I didn't think commander would take such a long time. Uh. I'm trying to think of the rank and, the, and the, how long it takes you to become a, a CO a commander. I, I guess if it's just a CO, probably just need to have your educational uh, degree there. I think. Let's see. I could be very wrong about that. Let's see. I'm trying. There's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of trivia on this. A lot. I, I'm not gonna go on about all the trivia when you can just go on IMDb to read everything. But I thought this was fun, interesting here. Connery was allegedly photographed on a toilet. <laughs> and the picture published in a Tokyo newspaper halfway through filming. Um, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. I'm cutting a lot out. Let's see. Connery announced... Uh, what was the thing about the toilet, though? Oh, it just says local newsmen tried to uh, photograph uh, Connery in the restroom. The so 30 extra private security guards are hired to combat the excess noise and hindrance, but even the guards started to take photos. Wow. Halfway through filming, Connery announced he would not be returning as James Bond. This is a pivotal moment right here. To ease the tension, the producers removed his contractual obligation to do one more 007 movie. Despite offering him $1 million, after this movie wrapped, <laughs> Connery was reportedly asked whether he found Japanese women attractive, uh, to which he allegedly replied, No, odd, uh, no, uh, because causing many Japanese people to call him bad names. Uh, this fupa uh, ter- turned out to be based on a mis- mistranslation on a day when Connery was exhausted after an intensive day's filming. Again, they only had like 12 people working on these movies back then. <laughs> so, um, everyone had to probably double up on certain things and, and to get things done here. Connery didn't go out of his way to be too personable with the interviewer, who was aghast. And the, and the actor showed up as, showed up showed in casu- a casual t-shirt with baggy trousers and sandals. <laughs> uh, and not wearing a toupee. Mm. And he says, Is this how James Bond dresses? He asked, to which Connery replied, teaser teaser, uh, tersely, I'm not James Bond. I'm Sean Connery, a man who likes to dress comfortably. So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, perception is reality to a lot of, to the public, you know. It's that image of Bond Sharping dressly all the time. Um, It's not always the case with people, especially actors. Um, That's a certain kind of lifestyle, a certain kind of thinking, a certain kind of personality. A man who likes to dress comfortably. Out of simple courtesy on Bond's part, this is the only movie in which he accepts a martini that is stirred, not shaken. Yeah, I noticed that. That was odd to me. Uh, This is an intentional joke by the producers, not a mistake in the script. Mm, Let's see here. Nancy Sinatra is the first non-British singer to perform a theme song for a James Bond movie. Interesting. Even uh, Goldfinger, though? Hmm. I forgot who did that one. Let's see here. The atmosphere during the production was reportedly chilly. Sir Sean Connery had grown bored with the Bond role and frustrated with the public fascination with the franchise. There was a lot of Bond clo- clones coming out at the time. Like the, I'm just telling you, there's uh, movies. Like I said, Casino Royale, where there's like three different Bonds in the movie. I'm sure some TV shows. His brother, Connery's brother, which you never see or hear. I don't never heard much of it. He did a a movie with the villain from Thunderball, and kind of like a knockoff version in another country of James Bond. It's so funny because his brother looks so much like him. <laughs> it's crazy, like in the eyes and everything. It's like it's really it's weird. Um, different kind of uh, body though, not as big as a a physique I think but it's still kind of strange which I got to see that movie uh, you know let's see here the atmosphere during the production was reportedly chilly Sir Sean Connery had grown bored with the Bond role and and frustrated with public fascination with the franchise the movie posters declaring that Sean Connery is James Bond didn't help Furthermore, Bernard Lee and Lois Maxwell were appearing in the James Bond knockoff operation. That's it. This is what t- I was talking about. Operation uh, Kid Brother. <laughs> With Neil Connery, Sean Connery's younger brother, and Elder Connery let them know he was not happy about it. <laughs> Neil Connery. That's funny. Aerial unit cameraman John Jordan lost his leg while working on this movie. Whoa! Dang, that's terrible. See? Movies are dangerous. Especially action movies. They are dangerous. Things happen. Variables happen. It's kind of loosey-goosey. It's not like your average workday or workplace. There's a lot of moving elements. A lot of things that are that have to come into place. There's people that aren't always watching you or watching what's going on, because everyone's just kind of you know wandering around doing their thing, what they have to do. There's not like people sitting down working on computers or whatever. It's people are moving around constantly, and you know you have a lot of electricity. You have you know, in this one machines. You're dealing with that kind of stuff. Aerial machines. There's a lot of potential for danger. Apparently, (laughs) the poor man lost his leg. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, imagine losing your leg on a movie set. Or uh, while making a movie. It is uh, so terrible. So traumatic. (sighs) Let's see here. Here. I'm just trying to get to the good stuff. Let's see what they talk about the one, the helicopter here. Yeah, there's a big volcano layer base. Which is, it's very awesome powers. Not, you know, and uh, the people that are in the base they all have uniforms of like red or white uniforms and they're like marching around so it's very spoofable Ooh, this novel was the last of Ian Fleming's James Bond novel it was the last one uh, published during his lifetime released on March 16th 1964 it was the 12th novel in the series for the first time in, James, in the James Bond film franchise, the screen story bore little resemblance to the source novel. Huh. Some characters in the Japanese setting remain intact, as do several uh, minor details. Uh, the obliate ob- and the man wearing a face mask, etc. Uh, but, the o- but the two stories are radically different. Yeah, this one is supposed to take place after uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Secret Service, uh, because of the events that happen, the major event that happens in the next movie. This is supposed to be Bond. I would assuming yeah, I would assume catching or getting or dealing with uh, uh, what's his name there, uh, Donald Pleasant's character, Blofeld. Blofeld. much of the story structure of this movie was used reused extensively in the spy who loved me <laughs> the spy who loved me uh Moonraker, uh and tomorrow never dies yeah i think because of the the layer the the, the base and, and kind of dr no a little bit too Nancy Sinatra is asked to perform the title song after Frank passed on the opportunity. Her father, Frank. Which I never knew that was her her father was uh, Frank Sinatra. I thought they were brother-sister. but The reason why this movie is so different from the book is that Roald Dahl hated the book. He called it Ian Fleming's worst book. Ouch. Comparing it to a travel log. <laughs> Ouch. On creating the plot, Dahl said he didn't know what the hell Bond was going to do. Uh, despite having to deliver the first draft in six weeks. Wow. And decided to do a basic plot similar, like I said, to Dr. No. It is similar to Dr. No. Because of the base and the uniformed people and everything and switchboards and it's a secret layer on an island I believe Oh this marks the fifth and final on-screen appearance together of Connery and Lois Maxwell uh, In and diamonds are forever uh, and Lois placed money penny and diamonds are forever 1971 the scene where it the disguised money penny gives Bond his travel documents. At the port of Dover, Maxwell and Connery filled their lines separately and were not present together for the short scene. That's too bad. They worked well together. Very well. Uh, good chemistry. Uh, it's, it's It's sad. Wow, listen to this. Adjusted for UK inflation, the volcanic uh, interior set built one for 1 million pounds in 1967 would cost approximately over a, set, a little over 17 million pounds in 2017. And likely much more due to various uh, later construction and health and safety regulations and criteria. That's a lot of ands. Yeah, here we go. This movie was released two months after Casino Royale in '67. This was uh, the first of two times that two James Bond movies were released in the same year. It occurred again 16 years later with Octopussy and Never Say Never Again. That's funny because I was looking. I have to buy uh, Never Say Never Again separately. It's not part of this new re-released collection. Uh, the White Box collection. And uh, so that'll be fun. I'm trying to be a completist, pretty much. Probably with the exception. I don't know if I'm going to get the Daniel Craig one. Because <laughs> it's got Quantum Solace. And uh, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence about the last Bond movie so far. As far as buying it, you know. This is the first movie franchise where James Bond does not wear his trademark dinner jacket tuxedo. Bert Kowak, Kowak, sorry, Spectre Agent number three was dubbed. Kowak had previously played Mr. Ling in Goldfinger, I noticed that. And Bert Kowak is Kato from the Pink Panther movie series, which is great. He was great. And let's see what else here. I don't think I'm gonna wrap it up here, cause oh, here it is, the little Nelly. Yeah, I liked, I liked this little Nelly helicopter scene, or gyrocopter. I was gonna say, I said one copter, uh, or solo copter, a gyrocopter uh, shown being assembled is not the one that is shown flying. The kit, the kit machine, was a mock-up made strictly for the assembly sequence. The WA-118 gyrocopter was flown by its owner, Wing Commander, K.H. Wallace, during all the action sequences. First Bond movie, not to show MI6 headquarters. And, uh... I mean, I could go on and go on, but uh, in fact, I might definitely read the rest of this. Let's see. Hold on. There's one more. <laughs> this this is great stuff. There's a lot of really good tri- trivia here. Um, during the filming of his scenes, Donald Pleasance claimed that the white cat, which was selected for his character, kept dirtying his trousers when frightened. Yeah, that cat was not getting along with Donald Pleasance. <laughs> um, it just—it was something. I didn't like something, something about him. It just wasn't cooperating that great. Probably because he had a scar and he looked evil. <laughs> John Barry, John Barry reportedly cobbled together the eventual theme song out of. Out of up to 25 different takes, wow. Nancy Sinatra's usual producer, Lee Hazelwood, produced a radio-friendly version, while double-tracked Sinatra's voice, and added backup session singers to cover her vocal deficiencies. Yeah, John Barry's music is on point. Uh, It's really good, and it's loud, and it's just perfectly done in this movie. So it really carries a lot of it, too. Terrence Stamp was considered by producer Harry Saltzman as a replacement for Sir Sir Sean Connery. Wow, that would have been a different kind of Bond. He suggested to Saltzman that he play the role disguised as a Japanese warrior, revealing his identity at the end. Saltzman was not impressed. (laughs) The attempted killing of Bond by ninja assassin... Is patterned after a real life incident in which Igna, Igna, uh, Iga, an Iga ninja uh, attempted uh, to assassinate the warlord Oda Nobunaga in 16th century Japan. Uh, The attempt failed when Nobunaga awakened. The volcano base was a result of 379 conceptual drawings. So, again, I can go on. If you want to read the rest of these, they're on IMDB trivia. They're all fascinating. Um, There's a good scene, yeah, this is a good one, where the helicopter grabs a car full of specter agents uh, and this electromagnetic big huge electromagnet on the roof was it drops them into the into the water and it's a good practical awesome scene in a Bond movie. It's well done and uh, it says the idea was conceived by Dana Broccoli wife of producer Albert R. Brocco- Broccoli The gyrojet rocket guns had one major flaw The projectile had to build velocity to be lethal. In tests, the projectile could not penetrate a sheet of ordinary cardboard when pressed against the muzzle. Uh, The weapon was rejected by the military and soon discontinued. That's funny. So, yeah, there's a lot more. So, so the character Dr. Evil in the Austin Powers franchise is a parody of Donald Pleasance Blofeld. Bald plate, facial scar, pet cat, Nihuru jacket. But Pleasance has less than 10 minutes of screen time overall, like I said, including scenes where Blof- Blofeld is heard but not seen. So, Mike Myers spent much more time parodying Pleasance Blofeld than Pleasance did playing him. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) It says again here, (laughs) Sir Sean Connery offended Japanese national pride at a, a press conference by stating that Japanese women are just not sexy due to hiding their figures behind kimonos. So so much for that first quote. He just keeps. He got. You got to hand it to Sir Sean Connery. He stood behind his his beliefs, whether you believe they are flawed or not, or right or wrong. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Donald Pleasance worked on the film for three weeks. All right. Well, I'll leave it at that. Let's see here. You only love twice. Thanks for listening, keeping it kind of a little bit shorter, more manageable, hopefully not less entertaining. I hope you. I hope this has helped stir some uh, reasons in you need to go watch the original Bond movies, because they're great. And uh, this dream is for you. So pay the price. Make one dream come true. You only live.